Welcome to ABL Duos. This edition of ABL Duos introduces you to David and Carla Moody. Dave owns C.D. Moody Construction Company. Carla is his wife of more than four decades. This is a part of the Telling Our Story Atlanta Business League podcast series. Here's Marty Covington. Carla and David actually have known each other since they were teens in high school. We met at 16, did not like him. We just kind of clashed. We went to two different high schools. I didn't see him, you know, on a daily basis or anything, but I knew of him. When he came home one summer, my mother had gone to this uh, women's luncheon, and David was there with his mother. And my mother came home and said, I met this nice young man. Oh, and he goes to Morehouse, and he's so smooth, and you should meet him. And I'm like, what's his name? And she's like, David Moody. And I was like, ugh, because I knew him from when I was 16. So we started dating at 19, and then we got married at 26. He's been around a long time, (laughs) and we just did 40 years our 40th anniversary. Carla and Dave got together in the town of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Dave had moved there at age 14 with his family. He grew up in an educated, supportive household that let his gregarious personality bloom. Carla was a quiet young woman raised in a working-class family, and before marrying Dave, she didn't know any entrepreneurs. My mother worked clerical at a hospital. My father worked at a book binary. My grandmother was a domestic worker and a cook, and my grandfather was a janitor at a church for many years. But after becoming Mrs. David Moody, Carla quickly learned that being the wife of an aspiring African-American business owner required several sets of skills. She became a problem solver and the manager of the Moody household. I'm from the school of the man runs the household and everything, And that my job was to hold him up. So it was like, it was just an agreement that we had when we got married. Somebody has to step back. I think, you know, two entrepreneurs in a house would be really hard. So it's one of those things that somebody has to hold down one thing and kind of step back and let the other person do their thing. While David was doing his thing, Carla found ways to shore up family finances with her dream job in the healthcare industry. And so when my children were young, I went back to nursing school. My dream came true. I'm a nurse. I always wanted to be in the medical field of some kind. And so it took a little bit longer than what I thought because I didn't go back to school until late. But I did the nursing and I loved it. We started the business in our bedroom and I was doing some of the paperwork and things like that. And then when I decided to go back to nursing school, it was more of a reason to go back was for financial to help us out. Because, you know, when you first start a business, all your money goes into the business. She then chose to be a hospice nurse, caring for people who knew they were going to die. I felt like it was a real calling. It wasn't just a job. And working in hospice, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned is that no one on their deathbed is saying, I wish I owned a a Gucci this or that, you know, it's all about, I wish I had more time. I wish my family was here, my friends. And, and so that made a big impact on me. I'm retired, but I'm always taking care of somebody. It seems like, (laughs) um, since then. So I'm still kind of on duty in more ways than one to really get an idea what that means. You have to hear from her husband. 
the founder of one of the most successful Black-owned construction companies in the United States. This is ABL Duos, where two Black business professionals from Atlanta, Georgia, share opinions and experiences about one topic. You'll now hear opinions and aspirations of one other person during the next portion of this broadcast. My name is Charles David Moody Jr. and I'm the founder and president of C.D. Moody Construction Company Incorporated. Been in business 34 years. We've done over $3 billion in construction work. Uh, Right now we're doing about a couple hundred million because we're actually doing some data centers now in Ohio, Virginia, in Charleston. So we've gotten into that world that black contractors are not getting into. And it's been phenomenal. It's been great. We're about 50 employees, and we'll probably be up to about 75 by the end of 2023. We've done the Ray Charles Performing Arts Center at Morehouse, the Leadership Center at Morehouse, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the Olympic Stadium, International Terminal, Cyclorama. I mean, the list goes on. We've been very blessed. Yet Dave never predicted living the life of a successful business owner because as a child in the upper Midwest, he didn't see anybody doing then what he does now. When I grew up, the older boys in my neighborhood in Chicago, uh, they had these little portable drafting boards and they were going to a technical high school in Chicago. This is the 60s. And they were all becoming draftsmen. You got to remember, this is before desktop computers and stuff. So back in those days, you actually drew. You actually had to draw the plans. But I had never met a black architect, and I really didn't think a black person could be an architect. So I thought I was really going to be a draftsman. And then we moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan when I was 14. At 16, I met my first black architect. And back then, when you went to architecture school, you still took carpentry classes, masonry classes, because you were a master builder. So I still had a love for architecture, but I love building too. So uh, after I finished Morehouse, I went to Howard and got my degree in architecture. And I started my career as an architect with Bechtel in the nuclear power division. And again, before desktop computers, so we're sitting there drawing every day. It's 1981. And I'm drawing every day and drawing. And then my dad always says, son, wherever they want you to go, you go. So they say, hey, we need an architect to go to one of the construction sites for a nuclear power plant. So I raised my hand. And I took that field assignment, had the hard hat on, the work booth, the noise, the action. I said, that's what I want to do. Here's some reference information about what Dave just told you. His family moved to Ann Arbor because the University of Michigan hired his father as a professor. Morehouse is the Atlanta, Georgia-based powerhouse private black all-male college noted for being the undergraduate alma mater of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The Bechtel Corporation is an engineering, management, and procurement company based in California. It's also probably one of the last places Dave held a regular full-time company job. He'll always remember it as the corporation responsible for giving him a hard hat and sending him to the construction site where he found an entirely new passion and a career. If you know him, then you know that he's a real go-getter. So even at the very beginning, he's always been excited about his job. 
Dave's excitement was based also on practicality. He's someone you could describe as a thorough thinker, and as a young man, he sat himself down and came up with a plan for his life based on his skills and personality. And I said, I will be a decent architect, but I could be a really good builder. But also, I tell people, I didn't give up on my passion. I changed directions. There's a difference. You got to be careful because my passion was architecture, right? But you also got to know what you're good at doing, what fits you. You could have a passion for singing, but you can't sing. But you might be a great songwriter, a great producer, a great arranger. And if you're so focused one way, that you're going to miss what you're really good at doing. And I think that is something we have to be very careful is know the difference. However, identifying a life goal and crafting the long-term plan needed to achieve it really aren't the same thing. For Dave and Carla, getting it right required a bit of trial and error. And uh, I worked for a bunch of small companies and finally 87 decided to give uh, entrepreneurship a chance. That decision was easier to make after they moved from Michigan to Georgia and one of the first companies to hire Dave went out of business. I know that when he came home and said he didn't have a job, I was a little worried at that point. So I was kind of scared because we had both left good jobs and to come down here. And then when they were both gone and we were looking at each other. They had started down a road they really hadn't planned to travel. Their decisions from that point on were based on a lot of self-determination and faith. When I started this company, I just hoped I could make it long enough I wasn't a complete failure. I never had goals or dreams how big I could be because you got to think about it. I'm like most people who go in entrepreneurship. I never led a company. I never was high in a company. So I didn't even know what I didn't know. And sometimes I actually feel almost like I feel because money's never driven. What did drive Dave in those early stages was one seemingly elusive goal. Just to take care of my family. I mean, when you go to wondering how you're going to pay the house note and make ends meet like we did, and, I mean, there was a time when our kids were young, we couldn't even get $10 out the ATM machine for the weekend. I mean, we had to cut off cable and all kinds of stuff. In those trying times, Dave relied on advice from the man who founded the National Alliance of Black School Educators and was an emeritus vice provost for the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, his father. What Dave didn't realize, though, is the spending habits he formed as a young man actually stayed with him for the next 50 years. My dad also taught me to always live beneath your means. That way, if you run into the tough times, you can struggle through it pretty good. And I think we just never got out of it. I mean, like, we had nice trips, don't get me wrong. And we, um, we have a nice place where we live, but it's not super expensive. Uh, the car I drive is 2016, paid for. Uh, I do have a new pickup truck that's a year or so old, and she had her car for 10 years at Acura. There's nothing wrong if you like the finer things in life and spending your money and buying those. Say, hey, you got to do it. But we just decided 
That wasn't important to us. That's right. For Mr. and Mrs. Moody, almost everything is a joint decision. Carla describes herself as a former tomboy who isn't interested in flashy purchases. I just hate shopping. I just don't, I just don't like it. <laughs> she spent her life focusing on other goals. I just wanted to be a, uh, a wife and mother. People think that if you want to be a wife and mother, like, what's wrong with you? You don't want to be a career person or, you know, you want to be at home. But people don't understand, unless you're in it, how hard it is to run a family and run a house. So for me to run a family, run a house, take care of him, you know, because he is my main focus of keeping the job going, and then being a nurse outside of the home, that was a that was quite a lot of hats to wear. Carla's efficient ability to juggle almost everything life threw at her gave Dave the time to figure out what he needed to do to make his company grow. He was a fast learner. In less than four years, his efforts attracted the attention of a very famous sports star. 1991, Michael Jordan was going to invest in my company. I met him through a good friend. And I never forget the first time I talked to him on the phone. I'm like, man, I'm talking to Michael Jordan. I, I still have the picture he autographed for me to the success in our construction business. Michael Jordan, he's dunking a basketball. And his finance guy was coming out of D.C. And he'd come down and meet with me. We're all set. And at the last minute, I turned him down. He said, you're the first person to ever turned down Mike's money. Why, why are you doing that? I said, because I got to know what I could do on my own. But before he could define how he wanted to shape his company's future, Dave faced a challenge that has redefined his entire life. It started with increasingly serious physical problems. First he had insomnia. Then he had started having um, heart palpitations and, and that type of thing. And I remember when it, when it really hit, he called me and said he thought he was having a heart attack and he had pulled over to the side of the road. And that was the same day that I had just gone for an interview for a job with a, a hospice. And I was backing out of the, of the parking when he told me and I hit the gas instead of the brakes and I almost hit a car. And I was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And he's like, um, yeah, the EMS is here. I'm on the side of the road. I couldn't talk to nobody about it other than my wife and a couple of close friends, and I didn't even tell them how bad it was. And nobody should be forced to live like that. But he did. For years, Dave and Carla found ways to adapt and cope with his debilitating symptoms, even when no one could tell them why they were happening. So it was more like how to control the symptoms. Yeah, I just wanted to control Not them. what causes them, but how to control it. Eventually... Dave and Carla learned they were fighting anxiety attacks and what Dave was experiencing was a complete nervous breakdown. After years searching for answers, a mental health professional gave them shocking information about what triggered his crisis. I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. The abuse happened at about nine. I always tell people I was groomed. It wasn't violent. You know, being groomed is horrible where it was the, the adult son of our regular babysitter. So my parents didn't realize he doesn't look like some pervert or something. And I'm nine years old. I don't know nothing about sex. So he started showing me uh, 
these little porn cartoons back in the 60s that and I'm like okay then he started talking about women he was having sex with and all this and before I know it he didn't you know groom me into things that you should never do to a child I mean it's very traumatic when your innocence is stolen the situation escalated when Dave's abuser threatened to harm him and his family if the child squealed so he stayed silent and here's the part that's important my mother got an ink that something was going on. And and I say this all the time, too, to parents. Be careful what you say to children. My mother was saying it in a loving way. But she said, don't let no one touch you. He already touched me. So now it's my fault in my mind. You know, I had planned on dying with my secret. And then in 92, she found out someone close to her had been sexually abused. I just blurted it out. And within a couple of months, I started having panic attacks, which I had never had. Maybe I had a complete nervous breakdown. I didn't think that something that happened to me 26 years ago could be impacting me now. I didn't think so either. We didn't even know what it was. I did talk to my girlfriends and say, you know, he's not sleeping or, you know, and everybody comes up with, you know, do this, drink milk, do this, you know, all these different um, home remedies, but they weren't working. And so it wasn't until later when we started going through the um, thing of where he felt like he couldn't drive. And so I used to go to meetings with him. It was a year or so where I would be with him all the time, but people didn't see me. I would drive him and sit in the lobby until his meeting was done and then drive him home. The Moody Home, where Carla perpetually provided the stability and support that allowed Dave to incredibly keep building his business. However, for far too long, neither connected his childhood trauma to his adult panic attacks. I was just powering through, powering through. When I look back, there were times I was actually having panic attacks, but that's not what they thought it was. You know, I should have been in the hospital. That's how bad it was. I was, I was, but... I never let her know how bad I truly was because I didn't have a choice. I had a wife, a young family, two kids. I, I mean, it's amazing. I always tell people, it's amazing how strong we really are when you don't have a choice. Yes, I was very scared. I was really scared. So I didn't know exactly what to do. And so it was one of those things where it's like, do I try to find medicine? Do I hold his hand? Should I talk? Should I not talk? You know, that type of thing. So it was, it was kind of tough. Tough, but beatable. Because as Dave and Carla learned more about the cause of his devastating anxiety, they became aggressive about finding ways to treat it, which was very challenging to do in 1992. The doctors didn't even. No. At the time, he had lots of different tests. And we did every kind of therapy for sleeping, for his insomnia. And we didn't get to a psychologist until later because first they put you through all the medical thing, your heart, all that kind of stuff. And then we finally found a doctor that we could work with. And from then on, um, this doctor helped him get through um, for many years. I went to see her also and... Um, different things that have happened throughout the family through time periods. She's just been a, ma a regular part of our medical team. And so a mental doctor for uh, mental things 
is just as important as your regular physical exam is to always have somebody that you can talk to. And the doctor that we've had, well, until she retired, doesn't mean that we see her every week or talk to her, but I could check in when things would start getting a little, you know, frustrating or whatever. I noticed that the last doctor visit I went to for my annual physical, they're now starting to ask those kind of questions, which they should have been doing all along. Like, do you belong to groups? Do you have friends that you can talk to? How often do you talk to those people? And that's the first time. And my son said when he went to have his physical, they asked him those questions. He's like, why did they ask me that? I said, because they're starting to see that mental health is very important and that it should be part of a regular physical. Let's back up for a minute. This is ABL Duos, a podcast that interviews African-American men and women in Atlanta, Georgia, who share two perspectives about one business topic. But the reason you're hearing so much about mental health on this episode is because Dave and Carla Moody know from experience that what goes on in your head not only affects all your business decisions, but your life. You don't hear a lot of successful black people, specifically men, talk about anxiety, guilt, or self-doubt. But Dave's past as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse meant he had to confront all three issues in his life to move past them. You can't keep something like that buried. It just eats at you. I always blame myself that I let this person hurt other people because I never said anything. And my cognitive behavioral therapy therapist, he said, David, why are you taking his actions as yours? And no one had ever said that to me. So I said, well, I'm going to help as many people as I can as an adult. He's done that by publishing a book, having a website dedicated to his life, and publicly speaking to groups all around the country. Heartfelt thanks from people all over the world fill pages on Dave Moody Speaks, his website. However, it took him a long time to open that portion of his life to strangers. It took me 20 years before I spoke publicly. Actually, it was the Jerry Sandusky thing of Penn State that made me speak publicly. I said, you know, they've got to stop. Because we don't think anybody we know that happens to. And... I've had so many men from around the world reach out to tell me thank you. But the ones that really get to me are the people who tell me I saved their life. They were going to take their life. And I gave them hope. Neither Carla nor Dave believe that life experience makes anyone an expert. And so I tell my friends, you can always talk to me as a friend, but I'm not trained. So I can talk to you and listen to you and tell you from my experiences what I might do or whatever, but you really need to see someone who's trained. And David does that all the time. When he does his talks, he always tells everybody, I am not a trained person. I am telling you what happened to me and how it impacted my life. But you need to find someone who is trained. Dave recently had another revelation about his personal mental health care after the COVID-19 pandemic and the deaths of both his parents. Understandably, that affected him. But it didn't cause him to go into a downward spiral because now he and Carla know more than they did in 1992. And then the 2019-2020, 
I felt it coming again, but this time I knew what was going on. I found me a trauma therapist. This is a Morehouse guy, great therapist. And um, I finally did trauma therapy. So that's why I speak up to help as many people realize there's nothing wrong with therapy. We all need some, especially being black. You know, we live always wearing a mask. But the woman who knows the man behind the mask is very happy with her mate for life. I would say the thing that I'm most proud of him is that he, as his dad used to always say, um, stay the course. That he does. Even when he has times when he's down, he always stays the course and he gets through things. So he shows his strength by by getting through and things. And so I, I think, you know, his business is great. And I'm very thankful and blessed that he's been able to make the business what it is because that business is taking care of us and our family. But I think that I'm most proud of him is that he has been able to overcome and work as a team. That is yeah. the most important. There is another reason Carla and Dave have triumphed over all the challenges in their lives. We got matching tattoos on our shoulders at 50. Uh, we decided we were going to keep each other. So we got hearts with the kid's name and each other's name. So we got big ones on our shoulders. Besides that. <laughs> and, uh, he makes and me laugh every day. Yeah, we're going to laugh every day. In fact... It's hard to have a conversation with C. David Moody Jr. without laughing. You'll hear that for yourself in just a few seconds. You are listening to ABL Duos, an Atlanta Business League podcast series. Dave Moody has made many unique choices in his life. But the one that is most amazing is his choice to be a positive person. Even though I went through something horrible with sexual abuse and a breakdown and all that, God put in me a joyful heart. And I like how I feel happy than I do sad. I'd rather be happy than sad. He also chooses to be active. Not a basketball court type of active outdoors doing stuff outdoors we love going up in the mountains somewhere that's why in 2017 i did uh a eight-day rafting trip down the grand canyon and then i hiked out and i slept without a tent for seven nights you know like i'm hiking mount kilimanjaro in january i just came out the mountains in training and i've been out to montana hiking did the grand canyon you know i always find challenges like that man i'm 66 years old and i'm just becoming free from my past. Whenever people ask me what would I change, I always say nothing because my life would be so different. I've even questioned myself. Sometimes I wish I had never been sexually abused, but I would be so different if I had. So I'm a firm believer. God doesn't make errors. God doesn't make mistakes. Of course, it's only natural for Dave to wonder if he made an error by not signing a business deal with basketball legend Michael Jordan back in 1991. Sometimes I go, man, we might have built all the Nike stuff and all kind of stuff. But then I go also because Mike is a high achiever and, you know, breakdowns and stuff weren't talked about. So they could have looked at me as so weak. 
and just, you know, move me on. So I always remind myself, you also could have lost the business. But I chuckle sometime. I go, Mike, now if you still want to call me, man, and, uh, you know, we can do some things. Yeah, MJ, holler at your dude. Here back on the podcast, Dave Moody does admit to having one regret. Kinda. Maybe. And I wish I would have studied more and taken more advantage of the opportunities for the students who did well. But they say a C students run the world. So I'm going to keep being a C student because that's what I was. I saw my way through. I was thank you, Lordy. There's no doubt about it. I will say this. I might have been a C student, but the design studio at Howard's named after me. So if you donate enough, you can get anything named after you. You don't care what your GPA is. They didn't ask, when they took my check, they didn't ask me what my GPA was. See, Dave Moody, the realist with jokes and the man who at age 66 keeps trying new things. That's why I had this tattoo that says Turn Triangle and Triumph. Now I got that as 65. And I pierced my ear too. He's also discovering a new sleeping aid that stops his snoring. In January 2023, it's available whenever he has a chance to visit 18 specific states and the District of Columbia. We go into them dispensaries and I sleep like a baby. She said she almost called the ambulance because she had never seen me sleep so quietly without snoring or nothing. I'm a, now, I'll tell you something. That was the best sleep I ever had. And I understand why people use marijuana for pain, anxiety, and other things. I mean, it definitely has great benefits. And uh, I'm not ashamed to say it, but if you find me, there's a legal place. We in them dispensaries. I'm like this. If liquor's legal, marijuana should be legal. Let's recap. The Dave Moody life list includes whitewater rafting, major league mountain climbing, a lot of money donated to colleges, a pierced ear, a few tokes, a company that has generated billions, someone who openly talks about facing anxiety and a mental health crisis, and who still considers himself and his wife just regular people. Turn and I stay in our lane. We're not members of a bunch of groups or anything. Yeah, we just regular old, we just... Just regular old folks. You know, for us, a good night is going to Mary Max or getting a piece of it. We don't go nowhere expensive to eat. You know, I'll make a fire in the backyard and just, we're just regular, you know, we like nice trips, you know, stuff like that. But we're just regular folks. The people we run with, just regular everyday people. Now that we have a grandchild, I got a rude awakening to how much it costs for people to live when I started going to the grocery store over the last six months. And uh, I actually got a little sad. How does a hardworking middle class or lower income families make it? I mean, it, it, it really shook me up a little bit because there are so many good people out there who've done nothing wrong but just how to make ends meet. And, you know, my whole focus has always been to show people we started with nothing. We didn't know how we were going to make ends meet. But if you work as a team, keep your faith and keep God first, great things will happen, but don't chase money. 
What Dave does chase is the joy that comes from deepening the relationships that have sustained him all these years. And I tell people all the time, the best thing you can do is age with somebody. One, your spouse, but more importantly, your boys, or your, uh, from a woman, from your women friend, because, I mean, we've talked about a couple of them have had cancer, prostate cancer, multiple myeloma. We've had um, parents die, a couple have had divorces, a uh, couple have lost children, aging together, impotency. I mean, all kind of different topics where, where you could talk to people who get it and don't judge you, support you, kick you in the ass when you need to be kicked in the ass. Uh, but more importantly, just knowing you're not alone and they got your back, uh, it's really interesting and it's been so helpful because, I mean, we laugh talking about how we used to want, you know, we were in college together and high school and different stuff, and we laugh about how we used to go, man, I can't wait till I'm 21 or get out of college, and now we're talking about Social Security benefits. Charles David Moody Jr., a man of many accomplishments by the standards most people have. But here's what he thinks is important. I've been a really good husband, and I've been an honest husband for 40 years counting, and true and supportive, and uh, being a really good father to my children, and never giving up on the business, and never missing a payroll or being late with a payroll. Those are the three things. It probably mean the most to me. ABL Duos is produced by the Atlanta Business League in Atlanta, Georgia. We want to thank The Plug, owned by Carleaf and Charlene Legend, for providing recording space. Philip Salter is the audio engineer. Post-production editing is provided by Chase Allen of Marchasco Productions. I do all the booking, logging, writing, and whatever. I am Marty Covington. Thank you for listening. This broadcast is part of the Atlanta Business League's official 90th anniversary celebration. <laughs>